Welcome to Between the Vines. My name is Kevin Martin. I'm here with Jennifer Phillips Russo. Uh, for our weekly update this week, we are going to actually uh, focus a little bit on our region and also sort of in introduce the topic for next week um, when Jason Lundo, Dr. Jason Lundo, joins us for a talk on bud hardiness and bud hardiness data and what kind of research and also extension services have been going on statewide regarding that. But for this week, um, Jennifer has been working with Jason for a long, for I shouldn't say a long time, but for all of her career uh, with us um, on some of this work. So we actually have some local information as well. And um, we get that in pretty real time since we're processing it locally. So we wanted to sort of share with you where things were at from a climate perspective in the buds. Um, you know, maybe you saw some some dripping in your canopy if you were doing some pruning recently. So where they're at um, from a more objective uh, position right now and where, where how this winter was. Yeah, thanks, Kevin. Hi, everybody. I have been receiving some photos via text from growers with some sap running. A lot of it's on the suckers down at the bottom, but it still it is started. We've been monitoring bud hardiness from a grant from the New York Wine and Grape Foundation. In our area, I've been doing both a cropping level where we're looking at a native, a hybrid and a vinifera variety where we've done differential cropping levels and differential cluster dropping to kind of monitor to see if there are any effects. And I'm crunching that data now and excited to get that to you and in your hands within the next couple of weeks here. But along with that, we've also added on many varieties in our area to kind of monitor and start producing curves. So you can use it as a tool when you can see how hardy they are throughout the season, whether you're going to go out and assess bud damage or not. So Kevin, you had asked me earlier about the question of, you know, acclimation, dormancy, deacclimation, <clears throat> or the other way around. <laughs> they deacclimate in the fall, then they go into full dormancy, usually like January, February-ish, and then they start coming out as the weather starts warming. And we are seeing that trend in the numbers. And by the way, if you are interested in knowing what those numbers are, you can go to our website. It is on the LERGP webpage. And if you want to see what it's done throughout the winter, you can click on this year's historical data. And I'm looking at it right now if you have any particular questions. But yes, everything is waking up at this point in time. So that's um, that's lergp.com. You scroll down to pretty close to the bottom, and what you'll see there at first is just um, some of the most recent numbers. So right now, as we record this, we're looking at 321, uh, so just 10 days ago. And you can click a link, just says click here, um, to view that progression throughout the season. So that's at lergp.com. Also on that website, thank you, Kevin, just above that particular area that he's talking about, we have the key stats for today. So we let you know what your current Concord phenology at Clarel is. And then there's the modified Shalas field score that's also there. And that gives you both a photo and the scoring. So you and what that means, so you can tell where the bud progression is in phenology. Right now we're dormant. So that's still, that's good. I know that we've had some beautiful days and the weather is spiked up. And yes, the vines recognize that and they do start to acclimate towards the growing season. 
But then we also go down in our weather. It's very variable right now. So you do have to start worrying about, you know, fluids moving within the vine. But right now we are not at bud swell. At least I've not heard. I've been on the conference circuit for the last couple of weeks. So. So, so just looking at this and, you know, there's a couple different, um, like you mentioned, you're, you're looking at different treatments and things like Concord. Um, but we are at an LTE 50, so 50% death, somewhere between zero and two degrees for Concord when this data was collected. Um, what does that mean for a grower? So where, you know, where were these taken and what does that mean for a grower, say, in Cattaraugus County? So these were taken at the Clarel, at Cornell Agritech, the Clarel station in Portland, New York. Yes, there are microclimates everywhere. And that is stating that your LTE 50 is when 50% of our buds would die right there at Clarel where we collect our samples for the Concords. With that said, it's going to be different, not too much different, but different where you are. And you are going to want to know if you get out towards that one or two degrees that you should go out and start checking for bud damage in that area. You can cut, cut vines, bring them in, put them in some water for 48 hours to see what pushes, or you can just cut the buds open and look for the necrosis or the brown tissue where it should be green. So, so you say, you know, if, if our temperature fell below two, we'd obviously want to be concerned and maybe start yeah. taking some samples to do some, run some observations and see what was going on in our own vineyard. Has that happened this year with Concord or with anything else? It has not happened where we're located to my knowledge. And I have not heard anything from any other grower of being too worried and having to go out and grab some buds. Then okay. it's, I don't think we've even come close. There was one time when we came close, but it was in full dormancy and they were, I believe, hardy to negative 13 degrees and it got down to, I think, a negative eight. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we had some weather stations that were more like negative 15, but again, that might speak both to the variety and the microclimate. Mm -hmm. So those were, at least if my memory is serving me correctly, because this was back in mid-January. Um, those were colder, traditionally colder sites. So you really would only be looking at Concord, maybe Niagara in those sites. And it, ha it had been quite a bit colder there. So it looked like based on your data, I think that we were on the edge, but we probably really weren't on the edge because if you had looked at average temperatures, especially average nighttime temperatures, they were around five degrees colder for the two weeks prior. Which inferred would mean that their vines were more cold acclimated right, and more hardy at that degree. And I think I noticed, but you, I, I'd like you to sort of weigh in on it because you shared some of this data with me and I didn't go through all of it. But when we look at our most hardy vines, you know, um, some of those hybrids from, from Minnesota, did, do you think they reached their peak hardiness this year or was our winter just a little bit too mild for them to reach it? reach the peak hardiness? That's a good question. And we are studying this in regards to its variable per year. Like you were just talking about how the weather might be colder up in some of those higher elevations. So they're going to be more hardy hit down to that level up there. But if we never get down to that lowest 
what we have done in the past and we say that's their peak hardiness level, they're not going to be that hardy. Does that make sense? Right. So did that happen this year? No, I don't believe it did happen. So, I mean, obviously, if you look at Riesling or Niagara, at least what I saw, it looked like they did reach what I would think is probably their peak hardiness. Oh, I, you mean them in regard the vines <laughs> them we just yeah them. yeah so when i i looked at concord it was like i don't know maybe they did maybe not but concord looked like it was hardy down to like minus 15 or so at one point so it looked like this winter they sort of peaked out um and i think the vinifera a lot of them did as well riesling got down to a negative 12.78 right that's about as good as riesling's ever going to get i think that's sort of what i was is and that right? To be honest with you, I don't know what the most cold hardy number is. That's something I could look look up if you're interested. Yeah, and I mean, it's obviously going to be variety specific, but I, I think when I was looking at some of those Minnesota varieties, they never really got there because they can get so much hardier than sort of what we need. Aurora got down to almost negative 20. Mm -hmm. Just, yeah, there's... So if you're interested, just to give you a rundown of what varieties are actually on our website, that would be, we have Diamonds, Elvira, Traminette, Foch, Savals, Stubens, Cab Franc. Oops, I hit the wrong thing. <laughs> Gewürztraminer, Pinot Gris, Aurora, Vincent, and Ives, and Delaware, Riesling, Concords, and Niagara's. So we've been testing many varieties, and I'm glad that we're starting to do this curve for people around here. Can that be expanded? Absolutely. It will consume all of our time throughout the winter because it is, <laughs> this is a quite a lengthy process. You have to go out and collect the buds at all the different locations in one day, bring them back to the lab, cut all of the individual buds and put them in the individual cells for the DTA analysis. That particular process itself takes is a 16 hour run where we step down the temperature in a controlled chamber and then monitor when the bud dies. So that's a 16 hour run. Then you have to process that data manually, which is another four to six hours to get that done for just one run, which is only nine varieties. So, <laughs> Well, I mean, when you talk about expanding what we collect, I think what will be interesting next week is maybe we'll get um, some sort of predictions from Jason about uh, the development of a model that predicts what cold hardiness will be. So if you have a good model that predicts what cold hardiness will be based on a weather station and you have a weather station, um, that's probably actually going to be better than collecting real data, as silly as that sounds, because instead of collecting Concord from the Clairol facility, we will predict what Concord is and its hardiness is in um, you know, the east side of Erie, PA, or in Cattaraugus County on uh, Sprague's farm kind of thing. So, um, you know, I don't know what that looks like for obscure varieties, if he can develop a model without data based on other data, but there may need to be an expansion, you know, and growers, we probably want to hear from growers after this model goes live, like what is missing and what can we add to it? And so maybe you expand your varieties temporarily, but not permanently. Um, that's where I could see it going. And we are actually in the process of doing that, not just for the Finger Lakes, but Jason, Dr. Jason Londo and I have a meeting tomorrow to go over all of the data that I've been collecting in our region since 2019. So all of those data points for each of those seasons will help go into that model and make it a little more reliable for our area. 
So we have nothing to worry about, at least so far. And based on the data we have, um, there could be some, you know, it did get really cold the other day, I think two days ago. But again, um, we're really going to have to defy sort of historical norms to see winter injury in April. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But I mean, we have the data to sort of warn us if it's if it could. Well, like I said earlier, and now keep in mind, I have been on the conference circuit. So I was out of town last week speaking. We were in conferences all this week, crunching data. So I've not been in the vineyard this week. Mm -hmm. I've not heard from any of the growers yet. We are still at dormant at Clarel when you're looking at the um, Shawless field scale. Yeah. But you need to check your own vineyards because if you do end up going to, you know, say bud swell, what that means is that there's getting liquid. Liquid is coming. Water is pulling up to the plant and swelling the buds. And that's where you have to worry about when the temperatures get cold. It's not sure. the fact, yeah, that the bud itself is um, dying from that. It's the ice accumulation that happens between the cells of the bud when that freezes, gets to that freeze level and punctures it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe this is semantics or maybe this is a misunderstanding on my part. But um, obviously, when it comes to frost freeze damage in the springtime, we're nowhere near out of the woods. We've got months to go. Right. But sort of that cold damage that hits dormant buds, we, we are getting close. I, you know, I think just looking at some of your March 21st data, there's some weird varieties where I could maybe imagine that there might be a problem. Like you see Stuben at plus 11 10 days ago. So, you, you know, if that continued to climb, if that's depending on, you know, if we see that replicate itself as a trend over a couple of weeks, maybe a variety like that would have an issue. But when you see Concord at zero or plus two, zero degrees this time of year would be very, very unusual. So, right. Yeah. So that's and not at all to say that we're not going to have frost freeze damage from like a spring frost. I mean, we've got a long way to go before we figure that one out. I would also caution you to go out and actually walk through your vineyards now that the weather is starting to get nice and kind of look at the wood that you've had that's wintered over. I've really been surprised when going out to collect some of this material for this research that it, there, it's just a lot of paper wood out there this year. There's a lot of, you know, I have to keep cutting and cutting to find viable buds on some of these varieties. So make sure you're, you're knowing what's going on in your vineyard, not just relying on. Now, now is that reflective at first glance before you even cut or when you're cutting it, do you, does it look like it's probably going to be good and then it's not? And I only ask that because growers have said that their wood looks really good. And I don't know how deep of an observation they're making when they, when they say that. So most of the time it's um, reflective of, you can see it and I can say, oh, that's not going to be good. And then I cut okay. it off. Right. But, and you can tell that there, there's been some phomopsis or there's been some sort of disease that is hurt the cane throughout these. So I'm sure that's a big part of it as well. So make sure you have a good spray program this year going forward. I should add that Dr. Jason Londo and I, to help out with some of these microclimates, put in a grant so that we could, if you recall um, Terry Bates's nine site study, where he had looked at vineyards that were near the lake, you know, on the bench and then on the escarpment, 
different locations. We are going to put out some hobo loggers to test some of the weather to get the exact degrees difference and then also take some buds from those areas as well next season, hopefully if we get funded. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's really cool work, especially as potentially this model gets rolled out because one of the, I think the questions was, well, okay, so this makes sense at the weather station, but are there enough differences 300 feet from the weather station that we need to care about? Or is this going to be a, re a reliable predicting tool for, I don't know, a whole block, uh, the whole, you know, contiguous town, what is it, what's it going to look like and how much variation is there? Um, and I think that's particularly in some ways important for Concords to see what that reliability is, because we're not going to go in and differentially prune and try to make it right. We, we're going to try to sort of manage to the average and then adjust later when we actually see what has happened. So hopefully it's good enough for Concord. And, uh, you know, in higher value vinifera, it might inform decisions about how you set up your weather station. So we've transitioned partially so that we have a couple of different weather station options. Um, you can get one with remote sensors. So if this is if this is a variety where where managing actively managing freeze damage is is really important, that can definitely be a way you could do it. But you know. I think you doing this work will help inform that decision rather than saying I need 12 cent temperature sensors because I don't know if I need 12 temperature sensors. Right. We might start to know if we really need them or not. I'm really hoping that that gets funded. I'm excited to do that work. Any other questions about this going forward? There will be more. If you do have questions or you wanted to know, maybe you want to know something about another variety that we're not studying, it is most likely that Jason is studying it in the Finger Lakes and he is the Cornell's fruit physiologist. So he will be with us next week. And if you have questions you want to ask, please submit them to either Kevin or I at our email addresses and we'll make sure that he has them ahead of time and we'll be able to address them. Yeah, and the other thing is he also has a website. I mean, really, if you just Google bud hardiness, uh, even though the website's a little buried in grapesandwine.cals.cornell.edu and some more slashes after that. But if you just Google bud hardiness, uh, you will get to the data that is collected um, across this project, including in Geneva, the Finger Lakes, the Hudson Valley. Um, and in doing so, you know, you're going to see, I think, I don't think it's particularly valuable to see how Cabernet Sauvignon looks this year in, um, you know, in Long Island for growers out here, but you'll see, especially if it's a variety you're not familiar with, but considering how it performs and, you know, what that curve looks like in a different area, it, that curve is sort of going to translate, you know, in a colder site, it might get more cold hardy, but you're going to see it's, it's good for relative comparison and, you know, maybe getting ideas about um, how it could apply in your, in your operation. And also, if it's there, it's going to be part of the model. So, so once there is a model, if there is a model on NUA, then you will have that data related to a more localized area. I don't right. think I have any other questions, but like you said, I encourage our growers, since Jason will be here next week, to submit any questions to me or to you. Uh, and uh, we will be back next week with that information. Looking forward to it.
Yeah, please reach out with any photos or questions you have in regards to what's going on in your own vineyard operation as well. Thank you all for joining us. Um, I am Kevin Martin. This was with Jennifer Phillips Russo. This was Between the Vines. We will see you next week. Take care, everyone.